Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Troy wants the world to know, wants to let it go. Right, Troy? Oh, yeah, you got there some we go. soul. Yes, we do. How don't I have soul during Pride Month? I don't think I don't think anybody's surprised, Roger, that you're coming out or that you're out. Oh, I'm so, sure you're right just... about that. I mean, if there's somebody here in this fucking Patreon conversation who questions <laughs> my sexual preferences, my God, someone's wearing blinders. And apparently earmuffs as well, because you can't hear my big gay voice proclaiming to the world, I'm gay. (laughs) And what better time to proclaim our gaiety, Troy, than the month of June? Yes. Happy Pride Month, Patreons. Patrons, not Patreons. The Patreon is the name of the website. You guys are patrons. Patrons Patrons of Patreons. Patreons of big old (laughs) gay patrons. It's like the way Celine Dion says Dion, that's how I like to say Patreon. The patrons of Patreon. Well, happy Pride Month. And you know, what better topic for us to kick off June, the gayest month of the year with? Then, you know, you you know them, you love them, you've, you've, you've stuck with us since we started the Patreon for these little mini episodes. And we have one that is going to be a gay old time. Me and Roger are going to discuss our top three favorite queer characters in horror yes we are my god i mean it's been a long time coming it has <laughs> been and i'm you know i'm surprised we haven't thought about it sooner but i think it's the perfect opportunity to do yeah. it um you know there are believe it or not there are quite a few um well i guess it's all relative compared to how many horror movies come out on a monthly or yearly basis there really isn't that many queer characters but there are actually a little more than i thought when i started to like research and and decide which ones i was going to pick i came across ones that i was like oh shit i totally forgot about this person so there is representation obviously it's not as as not as much as we'd like to see especially with how many gay and queer horror fans there are and how many queer horror filmmakers there are in the indie scene or in the filmmaking scene the horror filmmaking scene i would love to see more uh queer representation but i think we got to make do with what we have so we had to pick our favorite three from what we have available yeah i really um you know i i challenged myself to pick individuals who i felt were a little out of the outside of the box for me specifically um when i selected this or when, when we discussed this uh title this um being our June selection for Patreon, you know, the queer characters that have impacted us or have, you know, the most impact in our opinions. I went into it with three completely different characters in mind. And 
I'm happy that I kind of paused on that and thought, you know what, I want to get a little more, I will go a little deeper with this, a little more introspective. And I, I selected characters I really, I didn't think initially I would have even thought of. Uh, and here we are, though, sitting uh, with our selections. And I feel really kind of happy with the three that I picked because they are so, like, I think unexpected for me. And it really uh, shows just how much, I'm going to be honest, how much... Uh, strong lesbian characters have really stood out to me over the last uh, 10 years or so, maybe 10, 15 years. I feel like we've seen some really strong lesbian or at least bisexual female characters come forward in the genre um, and really have an impact. And up until very recently uh, with the Fear Street series, if you remember the one, one of the girls in that, I remember being a lesbian and thinking, wow, that's really cool. Oh yeah, we got to give our lesbians some love. They don't they don't get enough love. So, I'm glad that you were able to to go that route. Um I have I have a variety. I have I have my list is actually three different uh representations. So, it's kind of interesting. So, yeah. Anything else you want to chat about before we launch into our 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 choices? I mean, if anything, I just want to have a moment where I candidly talk with you and our Patreon patrons for a moment and tell you guys about my pride because listen, I just had pride on Saturday here in Cleveland and I ended up vomiting at least, and I, I do not overdo this number. I'm not like exaggerating. I vomited over 20 times over the course of one night. No, there was nothing left, but it still kept happening. I got so belligerently drunk, drunker than I have in, have been in recent memory. I don't think I've ever been this drunk. One of my friends came up to say hello to me just as I started puking uh, down my arm. It was just a messy, 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 messy pride, but it was also a wonderful pride up until that point. Those canned margaritas, let me tell you right now, 12.5%. Who does that to people? 12.5%. <laughs> it's too much. And I didn't even know. I was just chugging these canned margaritas, thinking it was maybe like a you know, like a claw, like a white claw. These are not like fucking white claws. I regretted it greatly. I slept all of my Sunday, and here I am now feeling somewhat refreshed, though slightly hoarse in the voice. So I apologize for sounding like a chain smoker. But yeah, my pride was wonderful. It was a great way to kick it off. I don't know if pride exists where you are right now, Troy. Is there reason to be proud there? It does. No, it does. Uh, but I just wanted to give a special shout out to Cleveland Pride because that is where me and you met for the very first time. Yes. And I loved it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, years, well, what, what, probably f four or five years ago now, you know, we had been social media friends for quite a while. It was, I had, we hadn't even filmed teacher shortage. I think I just got done filming uh, Mrs. Claus stirring. And I was in, I was in Cleveland actually for a film festival that was screening stirring at the time it was the title. It's Mrs. Claus now. And yeah, we, we met up and had a wonderful night on the night out on the town on, at Cleveland pride. And that's where we first met. So I have fond memories of that. Me too. And I love Cleveland. I actually attended the uh, same event. It's the first time they've had it in years, obviously with COVID, but the flat out pride, which is what I took you to that evening, they had that same exact event this year. And I did say to several people, I was like, I brought my friend Troy to this several years ago. I haven't been to this since then. Cause I hadn't been to a flat out pride since. And it was just as good, if not better. I was really happy with it. Cleveland definitely did a great job this year. Uh, yes. And to answer your question, there is, there was a, a pride gathering here, uh, this past weekend in good old Davenport, Iowa. It actually was across the river in Rock Island, Illinois. It's usually downtown Davenport in front of the one gay bar that's here. 
but they moved it this year to Rock Island. I unfortunately did not go. I had prior things I need to do. As you know, I'm preparing for a, a massive cross country move. So there was uh, this past weekend was the last weekend I was able to be able to see some of the friends and family that are here. So I took the opportunity to do that. Although I did go out, you know, um, Saturday night to the gay bar here and it was kind of packed because of pride. People left pride and went to the only gay bar around. So it was kind of fun. There was a nice crowd. So yeah, I, I did at least do something. I was among the gays at some point this weekend. So wonderful as it should be as you bid farewell to Davenport, Iowa. Farewell. <laughs> I have less than a week left. Here. So you head off to a, to a far gayer city. Like let's acknowledge that pride. I can only imagine what Las Vegas I'm pride super, is like. <laughs> oh, I'm super excited. I hopefully it'll hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it's, it's a good move. I'll be able to make friends and. Oh my God. You know, you will. God, you're Troy, you're Troy fucking Escamilla. You're, they're all going to be clamoring to be your friend. You're going to have to keep them back with sticks <laughs> and blades, just like the multiple powerful queer characters we're going to be talking about <laughs> in this brief episode. One of our nice short top threes, the best queer characters in horror. If we want to keep it short, we should probably get on with it. Yes. So, because we don't want to. You know, you're only paying two dollars a month for this episode, some of you. So we're 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 not going to give you more than that. <laughs> Cutting it off at a half hour. Meager. You're getting the breadcrumbs. But we're also appreciative. I'm, we're joking. Thank you. Don't. We love you. We love. I mean, that was just a joke. Cal- calm we down. We love your $2. We like. Right. Okay. Uh, so let's get on. You want to oh start God. it off with a fabulous. You started out with a fabulous lesbian. Oh, the, out of all the lesbians, uh, this one. Well, I don't want to say she's the most fabulous, but goddamn, she sure knows how to rock a, a tank top. I'll say that much, or at least a bloody t-shirt. This dame is pretty butch in a lot of ways, uh, in her physical presentation, as well as in her ability to uh, just fight back and defend herself brutally, uh, even down to the twist that you end up discovering about the character and this kind of alternate personality that has existed over the course of this entire film. Um, I'm talking about Cecilia de France. As the character Marie in the 2003 horror thriller, High Tension. Mm, I love me some High Tension. I love this French slasher so much. And I know that there's a lot of people who are very uh, torn over it or opinionated towards it. And I don't get it. I don't get it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that ending was like, it was a cheap out. But I'm sorry, when I saw this movie, I had not seen a movie up to this point that had that ending so for me it was very shocking and for me that reveal totally just blew my mind but what really also blew my mind upon viewing this movie in 2000 and what like is it 2000 i think it was 2003 in overseas and i think it came out in the states around like 2004 or 5 because i know i was just out of high school when i saw saw it and I graduated 2004. So that makes sense. But I remember seeing this at the time when I was very much like, you know, exploring my homosexuality, my queerness in general. Uh, and I see this movie with a very blatant depiction of a lesbian couple who are the focal figures of the film, these two gals, you know, and 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 the whole film kind of focuses around this whole introduction of Marie 
to the character of Alex to her her family. Uh, Alex is bringing Marie along to meet the family in this beautiful rural house in the middle of of a, like a hilly rural France. It's just stunningly gorgeous, uh, and then it becomes horrifying and gory. Of course, it does. But um, the character evolution you see in in both of these women, but especially in the character of Marie. Um, it's it's rather shocking. It's very it's quite striking, to be honest, and it's at times breathtaking, and it's very sad in the long run. But this character is captivating. She's on camera for a great majority of the film. It's it's mainly her and her journey to try to win back Alex, the, her love, against this this force. I'll use the term force loosely that she thinks is pursuing them. It's a very violent film. But it never, ever really strays away from the focus on these two women. And it's very straightforward about the fact that they're clearly a couple. And that's that. And I thought that was so ballsy at that time, the way they presented them. Um, and to this day, it's ballsy. Interesting. Interesting. Um, because I, I, I haven't seen it for a long, long time. It's been a while. But I thought I, I thought that uh, I didn't. Are they are they presented as a full-fledged couple in the film? I thought like the whole purpose of... Uh, the Marie character going, uh, go doing what she does is because she can't be with Alex. Yes, I mean, and that is definitely like what I kind of wanted to dive into as being the taboo aspect. Is they're very much presented as, in my mind, a couple, as in that there is clearly some kind of a romantic sexual chemistry between the two of them. There's definitely, yeah. Well, Marie is definitely interested in Alex. That's that's blatant, yeah. um, and. You know, there's the moment I believe in the car at the beginning where uh, Alex is talking to her about a guy that she met at the bar, and um, Marie's demeanor completely changes. Like she's like, doesn't want to hear about it. But you, you, yeah, you are right. They are definitely. I mean, the the sexual tension, hence the name of the film, high tension, probably is definitely there, and it is a very like it's particularly with the end reveal. It is definitely a very blatantly queer component of the film which some people have criticized as they will because you know there is that certain section of gays that think that any negative portrayal of a gay person is automatically homophobic so i've heard that slur thrown around so many times about this film um and i also have heard you know people say that the, the twist doesn't make any sense which actually it does because if you think about it from the perspective of everything is taking place in marie's head then it perfectly makes sense you know, it's we're we're watching we're watching her own uh, vision of what she thinks is happening. We're not watching reality, so it doesn't need to make sense that by the end when the reveal comes. Well, and the the main reason I wanted to select this specific character is honestly for what you just stated, because at the end of the day, watching that movie, especially now as a grown ass gay man. You can't tell me there's not a sexual chemistry between the two of these women and palpable on both ends. Now, the Marie is just portrayed as a very outward lesbian, you know, who is obviously struggling with certain aspects of, of what she is going through. Um, and I think that the whole the fact that it's often looked at as divisive, that whole aspect of, the, of, of what what is found out about her character. I mean, like I as a gay man, I'm going to say this. I think to not take advantage of that personal journey for a human being going through some kind of suppressive trauma, 
uh, regarding who they are and what they're burying about themselves and what they're not able to share. And the fact that they are not able to feel the love reciprocated from somebody who they feel that strongly about, like you could say that it's being divisive. You could say that it's villainizing the, the queer character, but I think that is like prime material to build off of and develop. And I mean, I'm going to come up from it as a completely different angle. Like these are very traumatizing scenarios for people who are forced to hide their, their preferences, forced to hide their identities that leaves scars. That leaves a lot of scars. And so to me, as somebody who went through my own journey and definitely had my struggles, I don't find it offensive. If anything, I find aspects of it relatable. I'm not saying I want to go out there with a goddamn buzzsaw and blade through somebody's windshield and kill them, you know. But I do oftentimes feel the need to express my hostility or my upset or my heartbreak over certain things that maybe I felt deprived of. Uh, at a certain point in my life or couldn't have experienced uh, on the same page as my peers. And so to say that that's something that can't be explored in in a piece of cinema or used as a uh, plot tool or an evolutionary piece to really help define a character, I I think is stupid. I mean, that's a really rich storyline for that character. People are allowed to be negatively affected by these things. It doesn't mean it's not saying that the 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 queerness is wrong. It's saying that her character and having to suppress certain things about who she is, having to deprive herself of certain things that she wants with Alex, because I'm sorry, they have a couple chemistry. These two are written and presented to be in a way in a light that makes them seem very romantically compatible. And she's feeling deprived of that. So I completely get why they would lean into that uh, character study for this character. I think it's powerful. Oh, it is. I, I love this film. and I, I have never had an issue with the ending. The ending, actually, I, I love the ending. It's such a punch in the face that you don't see coming. And again, I never thought of it as a cop out. And, you know, yeah, I, I get I, I don't have a I don't think it's a negative portrayal either. In fact, you know, there's a certain sadness to it. She is so in love with this woman that it's causing her yeah to have these issues i mean high tension is definitely a film that we should cover at some point because there's a lot to talk about i I mean we could dissect the shit out of that film but i will say that yeah i I definitely see why she made your list it is it is one of the more prominent in your face portrayals of a of a of a lesbian character we've had in horror in quite some time so Good, good choice. I actually, honestly, actually thought about including her just because I love the movie so, so much. So shall we move on? Oh, please. Okay, so my number three, and I feel like every time, Roger, we talk about queer horror films, gay horror films, I always bring this one up. And I I, I feel like it's just, it has to be because it's one of the OGs. It's one of the original gay themed slasher films. So I think you have to shower it with as much love as possible simply because it had the the balls to be 100% batshit gay and portray the gay lifestyle in such a realistic uh unstereotypical way back in 2000, you know, at the at the end of like the 90s slasher era. And it got overlooked I think because of the timing it came out in and plus the kind of the gay the gay topic that the film dealt with and, and in fact a lot of the marketing stuff shied away from even showing that it was a gay themed slasher. And it actually is our first the first film we ever covered on the podcast. And that is Hellbent. So I actually chose a character from Hellbent that you're probably not expecting. It's not one of the leads, even though they're both charming and hot. 
I'm choosing the secondary character of Joey, portrayed by Hank Harris. Uh, I have always every t- the first time I saw this film, I had such a just a, an attachment to this character. He is so just authentically portrayed, so innocent, so sweet. He just wants to fit in. He is like the awkward one of the bunch. You know, he's, he's surrounded himself with all these very gorgeous buff, good looking guys. And he's kind of the scrawny younger, like baby gay, you you, you could say, Uh, but his interactions and his, his uh, desire to, to fit in, I think is something we can all relate to. Like he, he wants to fit in. He wants to be part of this crowd but there is this naive naivety and, and innocence that runs through him. And then I guess the, the part that really nails it home for me is the fact that the, the, the scenes with him interacting with his huge crush, Jared, the hot Jared, who's dressed as a football jock at the, at the club they go to. And at first when Joey approaches uh, Jared, Jared's with his friends and is very, dismissive and and mean to him because it's obviously physically you can tell there's definitely a difference between the two of them but then there's that moment when they meet in the bathroom and jared actually gives when he's away from his friends which makes him a fucking asshole but still when he's away from his friends he's he gives joey attention and gives him a kiss and gives him his phone number tells him to call him and joey is just so giddy giddy and happy and excited and then he's killed. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I chose Joey just because I feel like you very rarely get these uh, a gay character that's portrayed in such a sensitive, innocent manner. I mean, we've all met gay, we've all met young gays like Joey, awkward. They're trying to fit in. They're trying to figure out their place in the in the gay scene, uh, and trying to carve out a place for themselves in the gay scene when there's so many different kind of corners they could put themselves in and they're just trying to figure it all out you i think he's instantly lovable you you love that you like the character you love the character and then it makes his death scene just that much more tragic because he gets killed right after he has I don't know, the, the something really really positive happen the guy he likes finally gives him some attention so i'm giving joey some love i love that you selected him and you know i, I was on the verge of picking a character from this film myself, but I knew that you <laughs> were going to pick. Like, I know you have, a, I'm, and I get it, I know you have a deep love for this movie, and I have come to appreciate it even more hearing you talk about it um, because, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with what you said, that even though, um, you know, it, it's budgetary limits uh, prevented it from being as glossy as some of the really big films that were coming out back then. Uh, it did go there. It gave us a very gay, very gay slash. <laughs> I mean, it is just so gay. And I, I was going to pick Jake personally, of course. Uh, but I love that you picked Joey because you know what? One of the things I love about the film and in some ways I almost feel it's not true to life, but I wish it was, is the way the group does take him under their wing. Um, and like, yes, they're like very much exposing him to like a life of drugs and sex. But I also like, remember like the characters being very like sweet to him, like Chaz and the others, like being very I don't, like, protective and encouraging towards him to go up to the guy that he likes. And, and I love that. Like, I want that for the gay scene. I want, you know, 
the different generations to support one another and the and the younger generation to support support the older generations as well like let's be real there's always been a weird gap kind of between uh the different generations and i i did love the way they portrayed these guys as being kind of protective of him and it does make for his death sequence then to be uh heartbreaking because it's such a brutal kill i mean compared especially to some of the other ones in the film it's a very brutal kill and it it's just not the person you wanted to see be on the receiving end of that. I was also almost super close to choosing Toby because again, I think Toby is as a surprisingly layered character for a gay themed slasher. He's the one that dresses in drag the entire film. That's his, you know, he's going out on for Halloween and drag and he's this, in real life, he's this male underwear model. His, his, his image is on the billboard right outside of, on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, in North Hollywood. And nobody gives him the, nobody, zero people give him the attention that night because he is dressed in as a woman. And he makes several comments about it. And he makes several comments about, oh my God, this is must, must be, be what it feels like to be, you know, to live your life like this and just be ignored. Very complex. I almost chose him as well. I mean, I think the characters in Hellbent, and it's one of the reasons why I gravitate towards the film and like it so much, is the characters never seem vicious, catty, bitchy gays. They're all very uh, sensitive and like you said, protective of one another. I mean, I think it's just to, to me, it's still probably the best in terms of representation. I will say gay horror film that's out there still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I, I think that one thing I want to see when we talk about like, you know, queer horror, the future of queer horror is I, I would love to see an, uh, another film come along that really tackles the similar blueprint of what they did and just injects a couple more million dollars behind it like that's honestly that that would appease me as a fan like that movie did not get many things wrong for me it really did quite well all things considered uh give me a sequel give me a sequel let's see it i would love to see it uh, yeah i would absolutely love to see it you know who else i want to see more of though i'm going to say troy playing queer roles and being in movies of similar similar uh subject matter to a certain extent by subject matter i mean just violence and gore <laughs> um my next choice i am going to throw her out there because this is a character that i really enjoy played by an actress that i really enjoy uh in a movie that i really fucking enjoy <laughs> and i know you feel similar i selected for my number 2 choice i selected the ever effervescent, uh, bubbly, lovable, and at times completely bitchy, and Gachi does a really good job with that too, uh, Anna Ferris in the 2002 Lucky McKee directorial debut, May, playing the sassy, sexy, I want to say lesbian, but I think she's bisexual, but she's got a little bit of everything. She Maybe she's pansexual. She'll fuck all of them. She's playing <laughs> Polly. You know that character Polly that literally just trying to fuck everybody in that movie oh god she's good <laughs> she even tries to fuck me i mean yeah we have we guys if you want to hear our full extensive thoughts on polly and the film may itself you have to go back uh several episodes ago we covered may with the fabulous fabulous caitlin newberry a powerful bisexual woman herself. Yes. 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 I mean, I, I can't say it's Anna Ferris for crying out loud and it's May. And 
I mean, that's all you need to know. She is a fashion icon in the film. She works in a veterinarian hospital as a receptionist, but this bitch is always in the most fabulous outfits with knee-high leather boots. I mean, what more can you want? Troy, you know what it is for me about about Polly? Is the confidence. (laughs) The sheer confidence this broad brings to the table. Like, you're right. Regardless, no matter where she's working, she's working in this disgusting veterinary hospital where all kinds of gross mishaps are happening dead limbs are being sewn on to <laughs> living animals and so forth and so on um and she's just there looking her fucking best with those big old hoop earrings looking just sexy talking all breathy and wow <laughs> you know like, uh-huh. her delivery every word she says is like it's ironically hilarious like it's not, it's even not even like she, she's necessarily trying to be funny but because she has such a grasp of who this character is she becomes hilarious just because like i know this chick i've seen this chick i, I know so many gals who fit this mold and she plays it so well and she plays it so respectfully too like she's playing a queer character i don't think anna ferris identifies queer but I feel like she really got into the brains of this dame and this sexuality that she brings to the table. It comes with that confidence. This character, Polly is outwardly sexual, not because she's insecure and making up for anything, but because she is just confident in herself and she knows that her sexuality is an element of power for her. And it makes this character just irresistible. Oh yeah. I love, I love, love, love Anna Ferris. I love, love, love May. And Polly is a big part of what makes May work. Of course, Angela Bettis is a powerhouse uh, in the film, but I mean, her and Anna Ferris together have this very sweet, oftentimes uncomfortable chemistry together that just makes the film that much more impactful. So I'm glad you chose a powerful, memorable lesbian character for your number two. I actually have a lesbian character for my number two as well. Oh my, the lesbians are coming out full force this episode. They are, and it's actually a recent film, very recent film, that actually is getting the franchise is up in arms, or fans of the franchise are up in arms today as we record this because of what was announced today. But I wanted to, I, I was a fan of Scream, Scream 5. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Scream 5. Not necessarily like the main character, Samantha, I thought was probably the weakest link. I really liked all the other new characters except the the Samantha character. But the one character that stood out to me, and it was obviously it was obvious what they were trying to do with her, was the Mindy character, played by Jasmine Savoy Brown, who is in the film, she is a proud lesbian. Yes. And she is the niece of Randy Meeks and the daughter of Martha Meeks, played by another bisexual lesbian. I believe she's bisexual, right? Heather Matarazzo. I just, I, I love the the Mindy character. It's like they took the whole, they took the, the characters of Randy and Kirby from Scream 4, put them in a blender, blended them together and threw out us and gave us Mindy. She is, she is the horror movie guru. She is full of sass. She uh, has no qualms about making out with her girlfriend in front of all the guests at the party. She, uh, you know, I mean, I, I just, I loved her character. I loved the the sassiness. I loved the sensibility she brought to the character. You know, she was the one that was throughout the film uh, basically saying who could be the killer because of, of 
all of the horror movie rules. And she's the first one to that brought up the fact that the killer, uh, this new killer is actually trying to make a requel um, of stab. Uh, so all of her horror movie knowledge, like I said, it's, it's such a blend of Kirby and Randy. And I, I, I want nothing more than the Mindy character and the Kirby character to come together and scream six and be like a team like Courtney Cox and Parker Posey were in scream three. Give me that. Give me that. Absolutely. 100%. And you know what? I completely agree. I thought she was phenomenal in, in, in this film, a really just natural, realistic, believable depiction of an everyday gal who happens to identify as queer it was an aspect of who she was, but it wasn't like the driving force. But you know what I also really thought was handled really well about about her queerness was the the character of Chad, her brother, played by Mason Gooding, who I'll climb that like a tree <laughs> any day of the fucking week. Like, goddamn. <laughs> goddamn, he's, he's so hot. Being like the token jock, being like such a bro, but so bonded with his sister and clearly unfazed at all by the fact that she identifies anyway, you know, you've got like this typical straight boy who is actually one of the more likable characters by the end of the film. And, and I really loved the relationship that was depicted between him and her being so close and so bonded and not, not a, a pinch of judgment, you know, and I really appreciated seeing in a very evolved, mature relationship that felt very 2022, you know, it felt very of this, time and very fitting and i i really appreciate how they handled her character overall and i cannot wait to see more from her oh yeah i'm super excited they're bringing her back for um for scream six even though we're not getting into it because we're already we're already past our mini episode 30 minute <laughs> don't open that <laughs> but can of they're not bringing back nev campbell as of now well yeah we'll have that discussion maybe the next episode but uh, I'm excited that they are bringing back Courtney Cox and Peyton Panier and all of the, uh, the the characters from part five that survived. So that's all I'll say. So yeah, number two is Mindy Meeks from Scream. All right. Drum roll for your number one. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. You know, Troy, I, I selected my title, one of my titles for this month, I selected it without even thinking anything pride-based at all. I just have really been wanting to review this title because I really adore it. It's actually what I would say to be my favorite um, first-person uh, handheld documentary style film within the genre overall. And and which is quite, I mean, that's it's quite a lofty title to assign to a film uh, to say it's my favorite. But the first time I saw this movie, I was shook to my core in so many ways. But really, one of the things that grabbed me about this movie, and I didn't even think about it when I selected it for the month of June, Pride Month, one of the things that stands out more to me than anything about this film is the absolutely beautiful and natural and human depiction of of a lesbian character who is struggling through some personal demons before having to struggle with some very real demons the character i'm speaking of is the character of sarah from the taking of deborah logan as portrayed by one anne ramsey uh take take of deborah logan's a 2014 
found footage film, and it is very well handled and often still goes under the radar to this day. Though I know true horror fans are very familiar with it. I do find it to be a title that the casual horror viewer, when I bring it up, has not seen it. And that's a shame because it's chock full of some fantastic acting performances and some generally terrifying scares. Uh, But one of the strongest aspects of this film is the, uh, honestly, at times heartbreaking uh, turn performance of of Sarah uh, by Anne Ramsey and this character that feels just so rooted in in realism and reality and she's going through a really just devastating and horrifying experience and uh she's doing that while also struggling with being an alcoholic and uh, struggling through a relationship with a woman uh, while her mother uh, obviously does not really seem to accept this because her mother is both rather old and also struggling with dementia as we come to find um i mean what a what a shit show to throw at this poor woman. <laughs> she is going through it, um, but she still has such great intentions and is so concerned for the well-being of her mother. And she is trying to do anything she can to both appease her mother and also provide uh, support and help for her. And it's it's just very sad. It's very sad. Uh, and just a really amazing performance. Yeah, I love the taking of Deborah Logan. It is a very effective you know, that found footage style film. I'm super excited to cover it with you. I, w- I did not even, I haven't seen taking of Deborah Logan, taking of Deborah Logan since it probably was released. So I had, I could not remember or I did not remember that the character was a lesbian in the film. So I really can't speak to that aspect of it at this moment because I don't, I didn't remember that she was, it makes sense. Definitely makes sense because I know the, the actress, I remember, you know, she kind of, you know, wore some flannel and <laughs> looks like you're very stereotypical lesbian. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, I'm excited to check it out later this month. We're doing it. We're doing it as our, well, we're doing the children and then we're skipping a week and then it'll be our next selection. So it'll be around the, third or fourth week of June that we're covering that. So now I'm excited to watch the film with that in mind, because it's something that I didn't even remember or catch the first time I watched it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man, you know what? It's a film that stuck with me. It's one I always come back to time and time again. And I do want to say, Anne Ramsey is an actress that has delved into queer material time and time again. Um, and she's somebody who isn't scared to go there with that material. I, I, I really think that she brought a lot of genuine realism to a role that could have been played bigger, butchier, you know, tried to go for that kind of shtick. Uh, she had been on The L Word at one point. She was in a, had an arc on that series, I remember. Uh, and I just think she has a lot of respect for the material, you know, and wanting to give a very authentic performance. Of, of a lesbian character. So it stuck with me and I, I am so excited to discuss it with you. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm super excited to check it out again. There are a couple of images, images from that film that are seared in my brain for the rest of my life. And I'm sure you can probably know one. It's probably in the most famous still oh, yeah. or st- famous scene from the film towards the end of the film, but I am definitely excited to check it out with that under that lens now because it's something I did not remember. I mean, it's probably, to be honest with you, I probably didn't pay attention to that aspect of it at all when I watched it the first time. 
all those yeah, years ago. Yeah. So now I'm excited to go back and look at it from that with that in mind and see if it, you know, frames the the film any differently for me. Okay, my number one choice, Roger. I'm excited to to reveal this because it is a character that when I first saw this film, and I, I, I got to see this film way before the general public did. I got to see this film way before it was released on Shutter because the the guys, the filmmakers behind it, the fabulous, wonderful, uh, sexy. Uh, what more can we say about him? We've had we've had them all on the show. Uh, the guys behind the film submitted it to the Houston Horror Film Festival for our first year, and unfortunately, with COVID, the festival did not happen in person. But we screened it uh, virtually, and the film ended up winning uh, two awards from the Houston Horror Film Festival: Best Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for this particular character. The actor that played this particular character won. Uh, And I am talking about the fabulously gay indie film, Death Drop Gorgeous. And I have to just say the most fabulous queer character I've ever encountered in a film is none other than Miss Gloria Hole, portrayed by Peyton St. James. I fucking love this character so much. If you have not seen Death Drop Gorgeous, it's worth watching simply for her performance. I mean, the the basis the basis of her character, she's this aging drag queen who is trying desperately to compete with all these young new RuPaul drag race caliber queens that are that are coming into her bar and taking over her primetime Saturday night and Friday night slots and she's being basically pushed to 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 perform um, you know, on, on like Tuesday night, karaoke night where like nobody shows up and she is just not happy about it. And, and the bitterness and the internal uh, hurt that this character feels. And it's not even, I don't even want to call it like bitchiness or cattiness. You, you really feel that this character is generally suffering internally because of how she's been treated or how she is being treated in the community simply because she's older now and she still likes to perform the classic drag stuff like Judy Garland. Um, when all of the new Queens quote unquote are performing the, the, the dance, the upbeat dance songs and are being, are doing the splits and doing all the death drops and doing all, you know, you have Janet fitness out there doing a, a high energy fitness routine and Gloria Hull just wants to get out there in a beautiful gown and, just do traditional drag. And because of that fact, she is almost being outcast and ostracized from the rest of the, the scene. And it's really heartbreaking to watch, but she also has some fabulous, fabulous, uh, one-liners to the other girls when they give her shit. Um, and uh, the performance is, is stellar. It was really hard to believe that this particular actor had never done a film before, because the 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 emotional layers that that are brought to this character are really interesting to watch, and by the end of the film, um, I mean it's 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 one of those characters that you know, heartbreaking character, hilarious character, and then at the same time, a extremely frightening character, all rolled into one and pulled off magnificently. I'm really happy that you selected this specific character and not just because we love the boys over at monster makeup. Um, and, and we, there's one that we still have not gotten on the show, Chris, who I have recently reached out to and 
has confirmed he will be coming on. So we'll be making sure of that to make the, the make it complete. Maybe the, I don't know what will happen after we get all of the boys from Death Drop Gorgeous on the show. I feel like we open a portal to another world or start a black hole or something. Um, but no, I mean, like, I'm a I wonder how they feel. And I'm not saying this because I really like these guys. Like, I really don't know them outside of our getting a chance to get to know them as filmmakers. It's not like I have a history with them, but they're wonderful guys. And I wonder how it feels knowing that you've created something that is becoming part of like cult history. Cause that is, that is, is what's happening in my opinion to their film. It mm-hmm. is taking on a life of its own. It's doing exactly what every indie filmmaker wants to see happen is, is happening for them. And I, I couldn't be more thrilled for them. Honestly. Deservedly, yeah, deservingly so. Um, Deserve, you know, I watched it with a big old fucking smile on my face when I when I watched when I was going through when it was first submitted to us and I was watching the submissions. I just had a smile on my face the whole time, and I know the original cut that I watched that that was the festival cut was quite a bit longer than what ended up in Shutter. I know that the the guys got um, Roman, who we just had on, and Tyler Jensen, the guys behind um, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. They brought them in to help them edit the film. Um, and I watched it again recently on Shutter, and it definitely the, it definitely helps the pacing quite a bit. Um, but still, I mean, there's just this... I, I, I can't explain it. You know when you're watching a film and... You know, it's something, like you said, every indie filmmaker probably strives for. There is just this aura that kind of seeps from the from the from the screen when you're watching a particular film, and it just gives you this. I don't even want. I know I'm going to sound corny, but it just gives you like this warm, comfortable feeling, and I, that's what this film does for me. I mean, I, I see so much of things that I have encountered as a gay man in gay bars in the past come from in the portrayed in this film. It's just a, a delight to watch. But I think, like I said, I think the standout is definitely the character of Gloria hole who certainly, certainly deserves to become a iconic horror villain. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another thing that I really want to tip my hat to them uh, and, and appreciate that they were willing to go there uh, with it is what you mentioned about the whole ageism within our culture, which I, I touched on a little bit earlier, but I, I do think is extremely prevalent. It's a, it's an issue within our culture. And I have been, as a younger gay, I was that person too. I remember, you know, having that mentality. And I think it's because I just had no exposure to um, enough queer culture to understand, to, to respect my elders and appreciate what they bring to the table and, and really want to learn more about what we as a community have gone through. I mean, our elders need to be uh, treasured and highly respected. They had to go through some uh, traumas and some major life events that we did not you know, we've and 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 I say we as it. You're a little bit older than I am, but I'm, at least for my generation, uh, you know, I graduated high school in 2004, so I'm 35. Um, I'm very lucky to have even grown up in a time where as much has evolved and changed as it has within the last what 10, 15 years. I mean, there's been so much change, light years of change, and it still needs to be more. But there has been a lot. I I never want to be somebody again that ever takes those generations for granted because they are the ones that marched they are the ones that fought they are the ones that lost everybody 
and uh, so quickly we forget. Well, and the, and and actually, the character Gloria Hole has a has a has a monologue where she addresses that very same thing you're just talking about. The fact that she's been around, she's been she's she's had to carry a lot of the, or she's had to experience a lot of the the burdens, the the the, the transphobia, the hobophobia. She's had to experience that firsthand so that these younger queens wouldn't have to. There's this whole monologue she delivers beautifully that hits exactly on what you're saying. So guys, if you have not seen Death Drop Gorgeous yet, I, I implore you to get on Shutter and check it out. Um, it's a fabulous gay time. It's 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 so, there's so much heart into the. You can tell the guys put so much heart into the film. Yeah, it's indie. It has it has some of the issues that every indie film has. My film certainly has some of, some issues. It's budgetary constraints, but if you watch it, there's so much heart in this film, and it is definitely becoming honestly one of my favorite indie films of recent years. Like I. I thoroughly enjoy the film and i'm so grateful that the guys that we yeah we, we we don't know them it's not like we hang out with them on the weekend we don't we we know them from social media we know them from inviting them on the show and having conversations with them but they're always supportive of us and uh, we just gotta say you know they they created magic and i cannot wait for their second film that it seems like they're wrapping up but kudos to them for creating such a to me iconic queer character in Gloria Hole. Yeah. I, I mean, I really do feel that we witnessed a cult character be created before our very eyes. And how cool is yes. that? Oh yeah. I think once, yeah, I think more, the more people see it, the more, you know, they're going to uh, enjoy and, and really latch onto the character. Cause even, even on some of the casual, like negative reviews I've read of it, everyone, even the negative reviews that I've read of the film praise that character. So at least, I mean, you know, you did, like you said, you created a character that that is memorable and going to stick with people for probably a, a long time in the future. So kudos to them. That's my number one choice. Love it. So, yeah. So guys, uh, you got, uh, you got a, a little more than a mini episode this time around, but it's a topic that we both are probably a little bit more passionate about than maybe some of our other topics because it is, you know, we're, we're two gay men and this is pride. So let us know your thoughts on our choices and please, 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 please in the comments on our Patreon when we post this, share some of your favorite queer characters in horror if we've missed any. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a rich topic. I know a lot of our fans and supporters and a lot of our patrons identify uh, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, um, and, and we really, I would, this is a topic I would really love to hear some feedback on. I've always liked to hear feedback, but this one resonates. I knew this would go a little long because this one has a, I think it packs a little punch for us. And so will our next uh, topic of conversation for talking about it. Talking about yeah. it. Yep, yeah. Of- so we're, we're keeping it super queer this month. So, ta- so talking bodies are, are what is supposed to be our longer episode. Uh, this one's, this one's rivaling some of our talking body episodes in length, but I don't care because it's queer. Who cares? Uh, but the talking body episodes, we are going to discuss our personal thoughts on what we would like to see happen with queer horror in general. Right. Yeah. I mean, where do we as two members of the community, where do we want to see queer whore go in the next few years, in the next few decades? What do we want to see the whore genre offer to us, the community that loves it so? Where do we see the whore genre going in terms of 
LGBTQ plus acceptance. And I, and I honestly think that we as, as, as gay horror fans and as a gay horror fan community, because I do feel like there, there is a certain, there's definitely a community of queer horror fans that are very vocal online. I don't think it's wrong for us to expect things to happen in, in, in queer horror in the near future, because there are so many queer horror filmmakers out there making stuff as we speak. Oh, what's his name? He, he, he directed uh, happy death day, Christopher. Oh, his last name's escaping me. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Well, he just got he just he just signed on to do the um Arachnophobia remake. Oh yeah, I saw that. Oh, all that oh, that's gonna make my skin fucking crawl. Oh. Christopher Landon. Christopher Landon. Yeah. Um, and then of course you got like Dan Dan Mancini, Don Mancini, who is, you know, doing the Chucky series, um, which has has gotten amazing amazing reviews from both fans and critics. So there are gay and of course the plethora of gay, gay indie filmmakers out there doing shit. So I think that discussion is going to be very, very, very interesting and informative. I think I can't wait. And then of course we're closing out the pride month on our Patreon with our full length film review that I'm just going to drop right now, because if you, if you want to hear this and you're not at the, the level, the tier three, you might want to switch it up just for this month because we are going to talk about the fabulously, not necessarily queer film, but it has a huge queer following. And that is Clue. I love, I love that you, you picked Clue. This is all Troy and I absolutely am thrilled. This movie is um, iconic amongst gay men. The quotability factor of this film alone. Oh God. Yeah. And then, you know, we're rounding out um, our normal feed with the children this coming week. And then we're skipping a week and we will probably drop a Patreon episode that you've already heard on our main feed for next week because I'll be busy moving. And then we are doing uh, the taking of Deborah Logan and Poison Ivy. Oh, my God. I love that. Drew Barrymore. I mean, what? I can't get gayer than that. Come on now. And Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Uh, fucking Gilbert. A lesbian herself. There you go. Look at that. It's all coming full circle with these lesbians. <laughs> There's a lot this of lesbians. probably the most lesbians I've <laughs> yeah. talked about in my entire <laughs> life. I don't know how we got so lesbian-centric here at Dark Day the Podcast, but I am here for it. I love my lesbians. I love them. I, do. I love them too. Love them. Okay, guys. Thank you. Like I said, drop a, drop a note in the comment or drop a comment in the comments about your favorite queer characters in horror and whether you agree with our choices, disagree, whatever. We want to hear from you. All right? We want to hear from you. And until we do, we're going to tell you whether you want to hear it or not. We love you. Happy fucking pride. Go out, get yours. Let your hair down. Put a wig on. Whatever you got to do. But celebrate the gay way. Happy pride. Absolutely. Happy pride. <laughs>